Well, thank you, David. Uh, thank you, Laura and Sabrina. Wow. Um, this is just, uh, it's overwhelming to see the list of uh, participants and, you know, all of the little screens. And um, it's just nice to see you all tonight. Really nice to see you all. Um, as we close, we've just got a, a few more minutes. Uh, I want to share with you briefly some uh, words of encouragement from the scripture and our text Tonight is Titus chapter 2, another Pauline epistle. Uh, For the grace of God, Paul writes, has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. You know, we gather tonight as partakers of that precious gift of salvation, as people who are waiting in happy hope for Jesus appearing. And we are rejoicing tonight in the grace of God that our Savior gave himself for us to redeem us, to redeem us from sin, from lawlessness. And this is all the grace of God. We're not here tonight as those who are trying vainly to redeem ourselves or to gain the favor of a righteous God by our own effort, uh, by our own goodness, or by our own merit. Not at all. We believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that there is nothing we can do to save ourselves but to rely fully upon Jesus Christ. Amen. But, uh, you know, in this present age, we are waiting. We are waiting for this great salvation to be fulfilled, and, and that's our hope our blessed and animating hope, but we're not to be idle while we are waiting. It's not a passive waiting. And so if we ask, uh, to what end did Jesus give his life for us? To what end did God redeem us? To what end is the grace of God at work in us? The text tells us that, that God has redeemed us because he wants a people who are devoted to him, who are his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And I just want to think about those two things briefly. First of all, a people for his own possession. Our primary identity is that we belong to God. In Christ, we are his treasured possession. Before any and every other identity marker, the gospel tells us that we are God's people. Before I am male or female, before I am black or brown or white, before I am a citizen of any nation, before I am affiliated with any political party, yes, even before I am a Princetonian, my fundamental defining identity is that by his redeeming grace, I belong to God. This identity is, is primary, and it's consequential for all of my other identities. God redeemed us to purify us for himself. He desires that we be 
his first and last, that there be no rivals for him in our affections. And we need to be reminded, I need to be reminded of this continually, because we are always prone to elevate some other identity above our identity in Christ. And the pressure to do so is great in this present age. So let's daily remind ourselves that before anything else, before everything else, we are a people who have been bought with a price. We belong to God. We are his treasured possession. And may this identity as a Christian continually shape us, purify us in all that we do. But then the text goes on to say, a people who are zealous or eager for good works. You know, one of the chief ends for which God saves a person is to create people who are eagerly and actively engaged in doing good. Most of you are eager and active in doing many things. The same spirit of industry that was instrumental in bringing us to Princeton continues to animate us. We are busy. Our to-do lists are prodigious and ambitious. But what are we so very busy doing? Are we busy doing good? How might your daily to-do list change if you were to add a new category, uh, my daily to-do good list? I'm serious. How might our corners of the world look different if we sifted more of our pursuits through a filter of goodness? Just as there is no end to ways that we might love our neighbor, there is no end to ways that we might be zealous for doing good. Are you eager to do good to your family, to your spouse, to your children? Are you eager to do good in your church, in your place of work, in your neighborhood, in your community? A lot is at stake. It always has been. The gospel is the most important news in the world. And we Christians have a role in making this news either more or less credible, more or less attractive. As Paul writes to Titus, he gives him some reasons why we of all people should be devoted to what is good. It, it is, he says, so that the word of God may not be reviled. It is, he says, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. It is, he says, so that in everything we may adorn, we might make beautiful the doctrine of God our Savior. Your eagerness for what is good, my eagerness for what is good, your actions for good absolutely make an impact on others. And so many who are leaving the church today are leaving because they fail to see the church and they fail to see Christians as authentic agents of good in the world. Certainly, as Christians, we will always inevitably have a different understanding of what good is than the world's. But let that not distract us or deter us. Let us persevere and not grow weary 
in doing good. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, people are one to Christ when they see Christianity embodied in the good and the true. But when religion is a thin veneer or a mere touch of tinsel, they call it humbug. And rough as the word is, it is worthy of the contemptible thing that it describes. If our religion comes from the very soul, if our life is the life of Christ in us, and we prove that we have new hearts and right spirits by acting the honorable, the kindly, the truly Christian part, these things are good and profitable unto those who watch us, for they may induce them to seek better things. May it be so. Are we eager? Are we active for the things that matter to God? Are we eager and zealous for what is good? Or have we become primarily busy about what matters to us? May we, each one of us, brothers and sisters, be people who find our identity first in Christ and who devote ourselves to doing good in this broken world. All for his glory. Amen.